0: Welcome, Revelers. It is now uh, mid-September, and I recorded this interview with my dear friend, Vanessa Waters, back at the beginning of August. Vanessa and I go back a long time, and we had much, much, much to discuss, so I cannot stress enough that you will want to not just look at, but click on, maybe even study those show notes There's a lot of great information and links there. The importance of supporting your local theater comes up. And I just think that you will really enjoy this episode. And it might help you really appreciate the arts since we are in this COVID period and we can't go to a show, but we are all streaming everything from home. And it's nice to have some inside information and fun stories from Hollywood as well as deep thoughts. But besides that, I want to come out right now and confess that at the beginning of this episode, Vanessa is right and I am wrong and it's shameful that I am wrong about when I moved to San Diego. So uh, just take the part where we say, "Ah, oh, it's a long time ago and uh, take it to heart that I messed up my own timeline and my good friend knew better than me. So hopefully you will love this interview with Vanessa Waters. Hello, and welcome to Revel Revel. Today I have my longtime friend, trying not to say old friends, <laughs> Vanessa. Vanessa, who I call Wazelchenko, but her name is now Waters. How are you, Vanessa? I'm great. How are you, Lauren? Great. Thank you for coming and Seeing me today.
1: My pleasure. It's really, really nice to see you.
0: Well, wow. so you ready to talk about different things in the universe? Absolutely. But first, awesome.
1: I, I just have to say thank you okay. for pronouncing Wozelchenko. No one really can. And that's <laughs> why I use Vanessa Waters as my
0: <laughs> heck, yeah, current name. Yeah, if you want to get hired with that name, I'm sure you had to change it, so I hear you.
1: Yeah, although I I kind of miss it sometimes, so thank you for saying it.
0: (laughs) Well, I will say it all the time then. Um, The first thing I want to say, of course, is how I always start off, how we know each other, and you are another one of my Mount Carmel alumni, but you're my Jersey girl. Yes, yes. So I moved to San Diego in 1985. Yes, I've moved in 1985, I think. Nope. I have to go back and- I thought it was 84. because I, I don't know anymore, oh, whatever. Who, yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. It was yeah. a long time ago. So when did you move from New Jersey to San Diego?
1: <sighs> I moved in 1985. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I, it was after I graduated eighth grade middle school, and uh, my dad says, we're going to do it. We're moving to San Diego. And so I started my freshman year uh, as a Californian- a Jersey, uh, you know, a Jersey Californian.
0: <laughs> so it sounds like we were there at the same time and both starting at the same time because I started there in sophomore year. Mm-hmm. And I'm a year older, mm-hmm. so there you go. Mm-hmm. So we both had Jersey accents. Oh yeah, and that, and we both had the same W last name, so we bonded. Yes. So
1: well, I have to you. ask you a quick question. Uh huh. Now I couldn't remember. Were we in Mrs. England's drama class together?
0: Yes. Yes. That's how we met. Okay. Yes. Yeah. But I think that someone even prior to that had said, hey, you're not the only Jersey girl. Have you met Vanessa? Uh-huh. I don't remember exactly who, but I do know that people thought that we were sisters or something because Oh, because yeah. we, we, well, we both started the same year. We both have the same accent generally.
1: So yeah, we both talked a certain way. <laughs>
0: No, but you're from North Jersey, right? Exactly.
1: I was going to say, you, to me, you sound more Philly.
0: Oh, totally. I'm Philly girl. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I know so, you
1: are. Yeah. Go ahead. I keep interrupting.
0: So I'm originally from Philly, but then I went to Jersey. And so, yeah, I had a totally different accent from you and we could tell the difference. course. Of course. But no, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah.
1: I'll never forget that my first drama class ever was in... At Mount Carmel with Mrs. England. And you know, you have the typical circle name game starter up. And um, she says that she wanted us each to say our first name and then something starting with the same letter that we enjoyed. Everybody's going around the circle, including a girl named who you remember, Sunshine, which, oh, yeah. Yeah, Sunshine, Sunshine Car. Car. And I was like, oh, my, look at this. This is a typical California, Southern California girl with the name Sunshine. Well, the reason I bring her up is because she says to me, as we go around in the circle, we get to me and I say, hi, I'm Vanessa and I like volleyball. (laughs) And so there's a silence and then everybody starts like kind of laughing. And of course, I had no idea I had an accent to me. Everybody in California had an accent. They sounded Southern to me, ball, wall, you know, and Sunshine says, say that again. And so uh, I said, volleyball, but I lost it. I don't talk like that anymore. (laughs)
0: so, so you as an actress can put on that accent still Mm -hmm. whenever you want to, right? Definitely. So the Philly accent is totally different and it's so much harder. I can put on a New York accent, but I can't put on a real Philly accent unless I'm there. Once I'm there a couple of days, you know, I'll start talking faster. I'll start blah, 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 and things will come out. Absolutely. But, But otherwise, like when I try to do it, it just won't. I go straight to Brooklyn and I'm like, no, it's not right. And I give up.
1: Interesting. Maybe it's yeah. psychological. Maybe it's a block. You don't want to go back there.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know. I'll have to think about that.
1: Now. Yeah, maybe. It's similar okay. to uh, it's go ahead.
0: Well, no, I want to hear how it's similar.
1: Well, it's similar to a Baltimore accent, which I find to yes. be so my husband's from Baltimore. So yes. I've been spending a lot of time there and I it is it's the funniest, with all due respect, accent I've ever heard. And yeah, I yeah, guess yeah. It's, a, it's derivative of Cockney, you know? Um, oh. And so it's closer to a Philly. I won't even attempt to do it, but... Um,
0: right. So Philly, Jersey, Delaware, and Baltimore huh. all sort of run together. Exactly. South Jersey, anyway, um, in that accent. And so I'm so annoying, Ness. I, when, I see, <laughs> when I hear somebody... I immediately, I, I totally turn Henry Higgins and I figure out where they're from. Mm-hmm. And I'll just say, you know, like, what part of Philly are you from? Exactly. What part of Jersey are you from? What exit? And, yeah. And, um, and there are certain key words that tell me exactly if they're from that little corner of the world. And it's this word, far head. Oh, right. Or forearm, because we say it far arm. Uh huh. Which is bizarre. Who says far arm, right? Uh, and then, you know, that thing that you dry yourself with? A towel is a towel. Towel, T A L. Yeah. Towel. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. And of course, then there's water. Water. Yeah. Yeah. Water. So, so it's funny. You chose for your pseudonym one word that tells people where you're from.
1: That's interesting. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. Um, my stage name, Waters, is you know, I, I wanted a W, like I wanted to be Vanessa with a W in there. And um, I love John Waters. Oh, and and I, he's from Baltimore. So he's, Exactly. He's from Baltimore. And um, I worked with a woman named Nicole Waters and I always thought it was great. I'm a swimmer. I don't know. I just, I thought it sounded good together. So there you go.
0: Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about what brought you to San Diego. Like you said, your dad said, all right, we're doing it. So Tell me the whole lead up and all well, that the, process.
1: Well, the lead up is he always wanted a better life for us, and and because New Jersey, we're we're from North Jersey, West Patterson, and which is now changed to Woodland Park. They changed the name because <gasps> they didn't want. Yeah, it's crazy. They didn't want the affiliation. I imagine with Patterson, which is you know very sad. Um, and he wanted to have you know more land, more property. He wanted it to be. Um, more um, adventurous he wanted I, I, there are a number of reasons he and my mother, uh, on their honeymoon, had gone to California, and he swore that they would move there one day and my mother 's sister, my aunt, moved to Carlsbad yeah. and so part of it was we have a very small family, and part of it was to be with my my aunt and um, he, my dad I grew up with him owning record stores. He had a record store in Bergen County, Teaneck, New Jersey. He, had, he started off in Freehold, New Jersey, which is where we're from originally, Bruce's. So I was like, he knows Bruce Springsteen then? Of course he did. Yeah. Oh. oh, yeah. Oh, I have a lot of Bruce stories, including him asking my dad to be his manager. And my dad said no.
0: <laughs> okay. So we will come back to this because <laughs> okay. I don't, I don't want to get all in ah, Gmail. Let's yeah. focus on you, my okay. friend, not the okay. starstruck person I'm Okay,
1: on. let's focus. I'm, I have a hard time with that, so I'll try. So, you know, he says, we're the summer between eighth grade and ninth grade, we're moving, we're doing it. And it was absolutely devastating for me. I, I was so sad to leave all of my friends in New Jersey. I felt like I had such a great life and happy life. And, you know, we came to California and it was so culture shock. Mm-hmm. You know, Mount Carmel to me it was it's a massive school, mm-hmm. and you know here I see kids driving like mercedes Benz and fancy cars, and we were not that that was not my life. you know we rented a house for many, many years until my f- parents finally bought a home in Escondido, which is where they live now and you know, it was beautiful, and I loved it, but I was very sad it was hi- high school. I don't know if you know this about me, but I did not like high school. I really, and it's still, I still think about it to this day with a sadness and a, a bitterness and ang- I can't let it go sometimes. I mean, I will say high school brought me to theater, you know, and that's what I've done with the rest of my life. And, and I'm grateful and it turned out to be the best thing. And I'm, I am thrilled that I live in California. But at the time, oh, horrible, horrible,
0: horrible, (laughs) totally horrible. Yep. Yeah.
1: Um, So that's why we moved. My dad wanted a better life. He for about, gosh, two years was going back and forth. He kept his record stores in New Jersey. My uncle ran them. And so it was tough on my mother. You know, my dad would be gone for months at a time. And uh, finally, you know, record stores are non-existent and they were slowly, you know, he was trying to, what, what am I going to do now? And anyway, sadly, the thing that really brought him to California full-time was my brother was in a a very serious car accident. Um, So that changed our lives completely. That was after high school. That was anyway. So,
0: so your brother's older.
1: No, he's younger. He's younger.
0: Three years younger. Yeah. Yeah. And so wait, how did, explain if you don't mind if you don't want to go into the accidents cuz it's okay but like the the details of how that happened to make you come this to California that confused me I'm sorry oh the details have nothing to do with the accident the accident happened
1: later the the only reason I bring that up is that's what made my father permanently uh, you know live in California he was yeah yeah he was going back and
0: forth for a long time yeah okay even when you had resettled. I got gotcha. you. Exactly. So it's funny though, that you should say that because what brought me to San Diego was my mom had a horrific car accident in Jersey and she was in the hospital for a while. And you know how you said you had a couple of years of him going back and forth to get used to the idea of, Hey, we're moving. I'm not staying here. Um, my mom, I think her accident was in January. No, it was, that's not right. It's November. And we had moved, we moved by June. So less than a year. And, you know, most of the time she was recuperating. Mm -hmm. Um, her, her goal was just, I don't, she didn't want weather. (laughs) She didn't want (laughs) snow. She didn't want rain. She didn't want to have to drive in that because she blamed it on, um, the rain. And I'm like, uh, no, what really happened was a drunk asshole hit you and it uh, happened to be raining. That's uh, not the same thing. Yeah. Anyway, that's her psychosis, but she wanted someplace that didn't rain. So first we went to Phoenix and checked it out. And I said, see my skin, I'm going to die here. No, <laughs> no. And so then we tried San Diego and we're all like, yes. Yeah. So we both have, you know, that same time period of coming to San Diego. And I know that you're saying it was sad and horrible and stuff. And I think moving is pretty much always traumatic, you know, because even though I was mostly excited and mostly happy, I wasn't totally, it's just always so complicated. Even though you say there's all these good things, there's all this other stuff too. And I remember, um, I remember that you seemed kind of sad and lost a little bit, and then maybe you would perk up because maybe we would see each other around drama. So that would perk you up.
1: Oh yeah. That, that got me through it. That got me through high school. And, um, you know, I, I had some issues too early on with, uh, um, I think she may have been in your class. Ugh, this Julie Miller, I'll say her name. I don't care. <laughs> She was a hot. She tormented me. Really. She bullied me. Oh yeah. She bullied me. She wrote impermanent black marker on my locker. She sent me letters saying that she was going to beat me up. Her and Kelly, Kelly, maybe Kelly was in your class. I can't remember. Oh, she was so mean. And um, you know, it was very hurtful. It was over a boy, which I had no idea that this was somebody, this had been her boyfriend, somebody at my I met at my bus stop. Hmm. And he and I were, I had a friend and it was a boy. And, and yeah, I thought he was cute and I liked him. And one day I'm walking down the hall by myself and there are two girls, one of which is Kelly and Julie coming toward me and I hear them go, bitch. And I look, I literally look behind, I'm like, that can't be directed toward me. I don't know anybody here. <laughs> what and I lo- and sure enough it was and that continued for probably a year and a half wow. and that was that made life very difficult for me but anyway I don't want to sound all doom and gloom I loved I loved being in, in in musicals in theater in drama class and that's what brought me to what I do now so I'm very thankful I'm I'm glad that we moved here and because prior to that um, one of the reasons I was also so sad growing up in New Jersey, I, I took dance classes and I, I wanted to be a ballerina. That's what I wanted to do. But when I came to San Diego, I couldn't find a class that I really liked hmm. or that I thought was, yeah. So it, so anyway, who knows what I would have been had I still stayed in New Jersey? I have no idea, but I, I think, right?
0: I thank my parents now. Yeah. I would love to see a sliding doors, sort of a treatment of our lives, what would have happened yeah. if we stayed in in New Jersey? Yeah, yeah. So when we were prepping, and I said, think about you know all the serendipitous type of meaningful things that have happened in your life. What came to mind?
1: A couple of things. Um, the <laughs> The first day I went to orientation at Mount Carmel, I'm walking up and I see these two girls, and and I approach them and I said excuse me, do you know where the auditorium is? (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) that ended up being Nikki and Bobby. Oh, that's great. Yes. These were the first two people other than my neighbor who lived across the street that I met in San Diego. And Nikki went on to be my best friend all through high school and I am now godmother to both of her children. And in fact, we, we keep in touch. I went to, she lives in Minnesota. I went there to visit her last year. My godson graduated high school. So that to me, I mean, I'm getting chills in my arms just thinking about that very first, hello, do you know where the auditorium, you know, we, we, she teases me about it now and she says auditorium and, but that that's one that's one thing. Um, I think about meeting my husband. You know, I I was old when I got married. I was 44, you know, and um, I met John at my theater company here in Los Angeles. And I just started at the theater company. I was basically willing to do anything because, you know, I was new, I wanted to pay my dues. And so he was a guest artist at the theater in a play And I was basically like taking notes for the director and acting as a stage manager until they could hire a stage manager. And I was doing everything from making coffee to writing down the notes, like, you know, blocking notes where the actors move and everything and and yelling out their lines when they called line. And so I I met John that way. And um, I'll never forget. I came home from from that rehearsal, the ver- first rehearsal, and my, my housemate, I, I rented a room in a house for 14 years in the Hollywood Hills, and it was great living in somebody else's beautiful home with a pool and you know in the Hollywood hills, and it was it was a good time, and he was out of the house for six months at a time because he's a director. And so his friend and my friend Dan was at the house and and they, I sat down in the living room and we we're chatting and I said I met this really great guy his name is John Cassier and my friend Dan says what's his name I said John Cassier he goes Vanessa he's the lead in my movie ah. and I and I yeah and I go what movie I had no idea what he was talking about he goes Reefer Madness so Dan wrote the music for Reefer Madness Dan Studney, who he ended up winning an Emmy for it actually and I'd never seen it I didn't know John that way. You know, I met him at the theater that day and I thought he was really cool and really great. And it turns out we have tons of mutual friends. And um, at the time when we met, I think he was going through a separation, his first wife. And, you know, we flirted, we liked each other, but, you know, I thought, oh, he's in a different category than me. He's a successful actor. He's only an actor. He, that's, that's his only job. Me, I'm a, you know, Substitute teacher by day, caterer at night. Auditioning, you know, I'm I'm below him, and um, we just had a ton of friends in common, and we kept seeing each other throughout the years. And it was I don't know how many years later that we ended up. Oh, okay, so then one day I'm at home. I told you my housemate is a director. There's a knock at the door. I open the door. It's John Kassir. and I'm like what are you doing here? He says, what are you doing here? I said, I live here. He's like, oh, I'm meeting with Brian, who I guess they were going to talk about a project or something. So I'm like, wow, this guy, I keep seeing him. Cut to a little while later, I was assistant directing a play at the Getty Villa. And uh, who do I see in the audience? John Kassir. Afterwards, he says, oh, would you like to you know, go get a bite to eat or something? And then the And then it wasn't, Till maybe I don't know a few months later, we have a fundraiser at my theater company, and um, I know John's going to be there. And I invited my housemate Brian to come because Alfred Molina was a part of our theater company, and I knew he. Yeah. I oh love yeah, him. he's a. Oh, he's amazing. Is Fred is what he goes by. Fred is actually a good friend of ours. He's oh. been over to the house. He came to our wedding, and he. Um, I knew that my housemate Brian wanted to meet. Uh, Fred, so he came with me. So we're in mixing in with the crowd and having a little. And lo and and Brian is about to shoot a movie called Jack the Giant Slayer, mm-hmm. and I knew this. And so John walks up, and Brian says, "Hey, what are you doing for the next few months? Would you like to be in my movie? I I have a, there's a part for you that I want you to play." And John's like, "Oh, oh yeah. Well, let me check with my agent. Why don't you give my agent a call?" And he's very nonchalant and calm about it. And I'm thinking. Brian walks away and I say to John, he just offered you a part in his movie. What? I, how, are you not excited? <laughs> like what's, this is a big, and he goes out and he had been in the, John's older than me. He's been in the business for 30 plus years. And he says, well, Vanessa, you know, until it happens, it doesn't happen. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, and I said, no, you don't understand. He doesn't just offer people parts. He means what he says. But of course, there are a lot of other components that, you know, you don't know what the other uh, producer or the casting director, what or you know. so of course he does get cast in the movie. So so he's working on a movie that my housemate is is directing. And um, we had our first date when John came back from filming. It was filming in London and he came back and he says, Oh, he called me and he's like, Oh, Brian says um, you know, that you would show me his house in Malibu. He had bought a house in Malibu and you know, he said, you would take me there. And I thought, Oh God, I'm always like acting like the assistant doing Mm. things for other people and blah, blah, blah. And so I come to his house. I'd been here before at parties and stuff. And he says to me, um, well, before I get there, he says, um, I'm going off on so many different tangents, aren't I? Should I continue? I love it. Keep going. (laughs) Okay. This is, it sounds funny just saying it out loud. I don't mean to sound like obnoxious or bragging with people's names and stuff, but.
0: No, no, no. Because if these are the life facts and how they're interwoven, that's how it is. Yeah, I mean, this is real. This, yeah, it's, it's, it's not like you're just saying, Oh, um, every time I go to the store, I see so and so. Like, who cares? You know, that. Yeah,
1: it's boring. It's boring. But this, how everything ties together is kind of fun and cool. And, um, so I, John says to me, Hey, I have a Harley, a fat boy. Do you want to take the Harley? And I'm like, Yeah, I get here. He makes me orange juice from his uh, a tree he's like would you like some fresh squeezed orange juice and then he says you know we get on the back of the bike we're, we right we stop at a restaurant and he says you know we're going to have some lunch he says order whatever you want but i got some steaks for later for dinner i'm like oh this is a date <gasps> yeah <laughs> cuz i wasn't even sure a Surprise date i love it yeah i'm thinking that i'm running an errand for you know anyway that was our that was our first date and We've been together ever since, and that was nine years ago. Nice. And uh, yeah, so meeting him and all the different ways he's remained in my life prior to dating was just, it was meant to be, I, I you know, as corny as that sounds.
0: And have you traced back all the different times that you could have, should have met because you had all these different people in common and stuff, and then somehow there were blinders up and then one day, boom, yes. the blinders are gone. Yes,
1: yes. In fact, one of one time he'd been coming to see shows at the theater company after he had done the production and by this time I'm now getting good parts. I'm not just the coffee girl. And he uh, came to see a show that I was in that I was really proud of. But I had a date that night. Somebody <laughs> else had come to see me and I remember, ah, oh, I was so when I saw John in the audience afterwards and he's like, "Oh, congratulations." I thought, "Oh, I wish I wasn't with this other guy." So we go and have a drink next door and uh, John comes by, we're sitting at the bar, and he ends up joining us. And I was like, I wish this other guy wasn't here. Anyway, that was one. But no, you know, the timing, it all worked out for the right, you know, in the right reasons, in the right way. I don't think we were ready for what we ended up having until we were.
0: Right. So yeah. Obviously you've been doing drama theater for a long time. Drama. Drama. <laughs> what what brought you to that new drama company because you were with another one because if you think about it if you hadn't left whoever you were with before to start with that new drama company you wouldn't have met john right
1: right right gosh you know it's such a long road i never thought i would live in los angeles that you know i was a theater actor i went to a conservatory a real i was a real actor you know and coming to hollywood was just no no it was it was looked down upon like you were selling out so yeah the road to hollywood was uh, someone i went to college with he um, he was a freshman i was a senior he decided to leave he moved out to los angeles And a year after being here, needed a roommate. But prior to that, I came to visit him from San Diego because after college, I went to San Diego and tried doing theater there for a while, which I did. Uh, I came up to visit my friend Jason and I saw what his life was like and how he was going from one audition to another. And, you know, I thought I should do this while I'm young and I can still make a little bit of money because theater ain't paying the bills. (laughs) Let me tell you, I was living with my parents in San Diego. And, um... Lo and behold, I thought if Jason could do it, I could do it. Now Jason's a big wig at Sony; he's an executive now. He he didn't stick with the acting like me. But yeah, I I came here and I, you know, tried different theater companies. And you're right, I I had my own theater company for a while, and then then I went. The reason I went to the one where I met John was because bringing it full circle, Alfred Molina he was a member of the company and i had seen him in a production of richard iii and i'm like oh, i need to try to get with that company because fred comes and teaches shakespeare on saturdays and i want to be taught by the master and i was and it was amazing and so yeah that brought me to that theater and i'm i i was there for 10 years and then i left and now it's funny john is a, a you know he's he's done everything but he's especially known for voiceover and um in the horror community specifically. And um I have gotten into voiceover. You have. But oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. But long before I met John, in fact, I um started doing something called looping. I was in a loop group. I still am and I don't know, you know what looping is. Well
0: explain for the audience who doesn't know. Yeah, I'll explain I did not know before so, having to learn all this editing stuff. So <laughs>
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a really cool job that I didn't even know existed. And um, anything you see on television and film, whenever there are background actors, extras, they're not allowed to speak. Okay. They have to act as if they are speaking. And so what in post-production, they hire union actors who come in and speak for them. And we literally we'll watch the, we'll be in a sound studio. We'll watch the picture and we will, I, sometimes we match you know, we'll see that there's clearly saying something and you have to watch and you get beeps in your ear instead of action. It goes beep, 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 go. And you have to match what is, is uh, the background actors is speaking. And sometimes it's, it's not, it's also just improvisation. You know, the, 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 the director will say, okay, Lauren, you're going to be that woman walking in the museum and Vanessa, you're going to be her friend. Okay. When the beeps go, just talk, go, have a conversation. And you do things like call outs and you, know, you do a lot of ensemble. Like I did all the X-Men movies uh, I was in the loop group for, and I did a lot of screaming and crying. <laughs> Planet of the Apes, I did a lot of crying and screaming. Um, it's a fun, fun job, but it's it's hard to get in. And I got in because I knew director and producers of these movies. And, and then once you get established, you know, you come back and it, but it's, again, it's, it's tough. And, uh, I, I haven't done it in quite a while, but I do enjoy it. John and I actually worked on a movie together, um, doing looping. So. Which one? I knew you were going to ask me. It's like a, it's a, I can't remember
0: the name of it.
1: I'm embarrassed. I'll have to, it's like a, Oh gosh. I'll, 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 I'll let you know. Okay. Well, it's a, it's a like part four of something. Well, you know, we were zombie sounding people. We were like, we did all these noises. Like (laughs) we
0: did that for eight hours. Oh my God. Yes. Eight hours. Yeah. (laughs) So, okay. Let's talk about other ways that we have weird synchronicity in our lives. So, because I have been in two movie after school specials things like that where i was that background how we're like they were like okay pretend to eat and pretend to talk you know and then someone else would come in and loop so i'm like yep i know exactly you know what you're talking Mm -hmm. about okay so that's that uh secondly the big one is of course bruce springsteen let me tell you just a little thing so of course i'm from south jersey everyone doesn't understand how it's two different freaking worlds between north and south and how there is no central that's right. I, I defy the people who say they're Central Jersey. Anyway, uh, so, <laughs> so everyone would ask me stupid shit. Like, do you know Bruce Springsteen? This was, of course, back with um, SNL, with Joe Piscopo, with What Exit, and people would talk to me about What Exit, even before I was driving. I'm like, Right, really? right. Okay. I, I, I can relate. Yeah, you know? But back to Jersey. The stupidest thing that someone asked me in San Diego about New Jersey was are there trees in New Jersey? Ah, uh, what? Yes. That's, hello, it's called the Garden State. Right, right. And, you know. <laughs> but I guess a garden doesn't mean trees, but still. Things grow there. I know, right? Wow, wow. So the funny thing about Bruce is that, let's see, maybe it was January or February or whatever, I picked up his memoir, his autobiography on CD, and I started listening to it. And I thought it was great. It's very poetic, very lyrical. You know, he's reading it. And it's like, ah, oh, so nice. And then I lost, I lost the discs. I just totally uh-huh. lost it. So weird. I looked and looked and looked. And then COVID happened. And then all the libraries shut down. And so anything you had checked out was sort of free. Uh-huh. I thought, okay, maybe I'll find it. And then I won't have any fees. And this is great and everything, right? Lo and behold... My husband found it last week, oh, wow. just last <sighs> week. And then we were going out of town and I couldn't listen to it. So I just started listening to it maybe, I don't know, Saturday, Sunday or whatever. And I didn't remember where I was or whatever. And I pop in the disc and I swear to God, he's right now at the part where he's getting signed, getting people to be his manager, stuff like that. And then you mentioned about how he wanted oh, wow. uh, your dad to be his manager. I'm like, oh my God. Cause he has not, that's... he's not said the word Wazilchenko. Cause if he had,
1: I no, would have fucking
0: lost the car on the side of the road. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, you know, he, my dad is quoted in some book, but Bruce has never said his name. My dad's name's Igor. I think he has said Igor records. Cause that's the mm. name. But, um, they were very young. This is, we're talking at the very beginning of, you know, my dad was 19 when he owned his records, first record store. And Bruce would come in and hang out with him in the basement and look through all the records and stuff. And my dad was drive He drove him different places because I don't think Bruce was driving or something.
0: I got to read that. Yeah. Or listen to it. Cause he, when he tells it, it's
1: fun. Yeah. I saw, well, I saw the Broadway, the recorded, I couldn't afford to go see that show, but, uh, did you see that? Mm-mm. Oh, you got to watch it. I don't know if it's available. How? I think I saw it on, yeah, his Broadway show. I don't know where I saw it, if it was Netflix or if it was HBO or something. But yeah, it was It was on. We watched the uh, Netflix. You got to look for it. It's great.
0: I'll find yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, cool. But anyway, if, if I had finished it back when I had first gotten it, off, if I hadn't lost those discs, this would be six months ancient history to me. But I was literally listening oh. to it on the way home, you know, to talk. to Yeah. You. And where I was coming from was a meeting with the president and managing director, I think is his title of our nonprofit for our local theater company. Wow. I know. Right. Today so was meant to be
1: for us to yeah, connect, yeah. reconnect. I
0: That's love right.
1: it. I love it.
0: Yeah, I have a
1: lot of those stories too. And, you know, of course now my mind is is blank, but um, anyway. They come up. It will. It will. Up. I know. Theater. Oh, well, here's one. So, you know, you, do, you wear many hats as an actor and, you know, you try to always say yes to anything. Work begets work. If it's free work, if it's, you know you know, I'm constantly trying to get myself out there doing various things. And I work as an actor on occasion, and then I don't, and then I do free stuff. And then I, you know, and I just auditioned for a Lifetime movie at home, you know, waiting to find out when they're this morning, the meeting that I I needed to attend was I wanted to listen to the protocols of what they're doing to reopen production. Um, So that's, that's what I needed to listen to this morning. Anyway, the the production that I auditioned for got pushed a little bit, so I don't know what's going to happen. Anyway, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, I saw this production. Um, a friend actually wrote the play. It's called Sister Cities, and it was then made into a novel, and then it was a Lifetime movie. Hmm. And I, I just thought it was amazing. It had... Um, one of the actresses, her name is Jill Gascoigne. She just recently passed away from Alzheimer's, sadly, but she was a phenomenal actress in the UK. And uh, I saw her in the production, and she played a woman that was dying of ALS, which was very, very, very moving. Well, about ten years later, I get a phone call from my friend who says, "Who wrote the play?" She says, "I want you to direct Sister Cities. We're going to remount it," and I just. Yes, I said it without thinking, without, so that to me was like, wow, this play that meant so much to me 10 years ago, suddenly I'm being asked to direct it. And I have very little directing experience. I've directed like shorts, you know, one acts and whatnot. So it was my first big um, play to direct. And that set me on
0: another path.
1: Uh, That was seemed that it was something that the universe was trying to tell me that I needed to do so.
0: Yeah. So that's cool. Where where was that?
1: A small theater in North Hollywood.
0: Okay. Yeah. So why how whatever made you decide even though that LA is not a theater town that you wanted to get into theater. That's a good
1: question for sanity and for <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just you know, sometimes you get these good like I had a I had a part on the TV show House. And it was a guest star. It was a day player. You know, it was not that big. I mean, it was a big deal because when you think about all the people that auditioned for that one part and the chances of you getting it, you know, I was thrilled. Don't get me wrong. I was like, oh my gosh, I made it. I'm going to be on this network television show. This is it. Now I'm going to be working as I'm going to get my own series, (laughs) which never ever happened, except for actually looping. I looped a whole season of a show, which was kind of cool. Anyway, so. You get these jobs, these small jobs here and there, and you get paid, you know, I get paid more in a day to do that than I would in a week, substitute school teaching, which is what I do. But it's not fulfilling. There's nothing like being in front of a live audience. There's nothing like that energy that you receive, the the give and take, and the being in the moment completely. And that's where, as an actor, you have the most control on on the stage of course you have to follow the direction you've been given and you can't like suddenly decide to, you know, cross the stage and the other actors not expecting it kind of a thing. But so I just love that more than anything. And, you know, there are a lot of like-minded friends and we all got together and said, let's, Hey, let's put on a play, (laughs) you know, and theater in LA has grown. It is, there's so many wonderful actors here. And for me to ever Be a snob about it when I first got here. I was so naive and so just wrong because there are many, many great actors. And, you know, so the point about House is I, you know, everybody's congratulating me. Oh, you're going to be on this TV show. We're so happy. We're so. Meanwhile, I'm, you know, when I got the role of Lady Macbeth, I didn't get, and that was a hundred times more of a, a challenge and more of something that I'm proud of. I'm so proud of that much more than I am you know, getting on a show with three or four lines, you know? So that's why I continue to do it for my soul, for my artistic hunger, you know, for that need to create and create in the moment. And that's not to say that television and film acting, you you don't have that. You do. It's a different beast. And I have so much respect for it and so much respect for the actors who are good at it. Because that's a it, it. It's you have to have skill. You really, really do. And and I like it, but I like all of it. I like all of it. I hope I'm. This is a very hard time. You know, who knows when we're going to get back to it.
0: Right, right. Um. Mm. So, you know, you start off in this drama class. Did you get feedback that you were good and this should be something that you pursue? No,
1: no, <laughs> no. no, no. In fact, I still kind of well. Okay, I got of course, I got some positive feedback, and you're in the high school and you're getting, you know, taken care of a bit, you're not you know I, And um, the way I knew, I felt that I loved it, I must be good at it. But then again, I was also on the swim team. I loved it. I was the worst one on the team, but I was determined <laughs> to stay there and to to keep doing it. So I didn't know if it was pride or, you know, but my, and I had gotten cast in a number of productions and um, the biggest heartache was The Glass Menagerie. Oh boy, I wanted to play Laura. I wanted to play Laura so badly. And Nikki, my best friend, got to play Laura (laughs) and she was wonderful. I mean, she was, you know, an incredible Laura. So, but anyway, we went to some festival where I saw a brochure for PCPA Theater Fest, which is a conservatory in Santa Maria, Central California. And I thought, I'm going to go for it. And Mr. Smith was drama teacher, Doug Smith. I asked him, I said, I have to go with a monologue, two monologues, and you know, to audition to get into this conservatory. Could you help me? And I'll never forget. So I worked on it on my own. I worked on it. I, 18 years old, I, I was doing Lady M. And uh, little did I know I would play it when I was in my 40s. Um, anyway, uh, I had no idea what I was doing, but I did it, and I'll never forget. For the first time, he said to me, "Wow, Vanessa, you have really grown." And oh,
0: that's nice. yeah,
1: and that was that one and only time he made me feel that I was good. And I still sometimes, you know, have a little hold a little grudge. He came years later. I was in a production of um, uh, *Midsummer Night's Dream* and I was playing Titania. And I was, I had invited Doug and his wife to come see, yeah, from San Diego, and they came up and saw me. And I thought, finally, he's going to see me in this production, and he's going to say, "Wow, Vanessa, you should have played Laura." <laughs> no, 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 no. He was very kind and and very, you know, had some nice things to say. But you know, you know, in fact, my father said uh, and he wouldn't mind me saying this because he would say it he when i said listen i'm going to drama school i want to be an actor he said you can't be an actor you're not pretty enough
0: <gasps>
1: yeah and and it was devastating to hear because but it was like you're not telling me anything i don't know i i'm i am who i am and there're plenty of roles out there for all kinds of people and i said to him something like dad even you you would probably have a better chance of getting a part than me because my dad's very, very character-looking. He's, you know, pockmarked face, big nose. I'm like, you'd be in the mob, Dad. That's what you, you know. Anyway, so that being said, he didn't want me to go to the conservatory. I went. He came and saw me in a production and left and didn't stay to say anything to me. He called me up and said, later, you should do this. For your career, and and I will never again question it. And he has been my biggest supporter since. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so that's really good. You know, I mean, it's a tough, tough business. You know, there's so many good actors. But to answer your question, yeah, I got some support, but never any like ah oh, encouragement. I think I won uh, in the in the high school, uh, you know, Academy Award high school uh, show that we had. I got best supporting actress for something, and I, so. Anyway, oh, you know. Nice. Yeah, it was my own drive really and my own desire.
0: Well, that's good and obviously self-motivation is always better than external motivation. Yeah. But yeah. but it is so key to have someone say to you like this is actually possible. Right. Instead of you thinking it's a silly dream, you know, and it's so unfair that talent for being an actor should be equated to looks because so many places around the world it's not right you know like especially like say in the uk yeah they'll put anyone who can act up on the screen even if they're not that pleasant to look at. well they're also
1: in my opinion some of the better actors anyway (laughs)
0: yeah right so
1: um no it's changed over the i mean it's certainly you know, when I came to LA, it was uh, Melrose Place in nine hundred two and the first round of it, and that was what they were hiring. And it's very much—I have more of a chance now than I did then. You know, because it's—it's it's luckily opened up to all walks of life because we all want to see a representation of ourselves in a way to to relate to. You know, so I don't know. And I'm still pushing it, you know, almost 50 years old and thinking I'm going to get my big break. My, my, my dear, dear aunt June says to me, when are you going to be famous? When are you going to be famous? Like, well, I think that ship has sailed, but yes, I will, you know, she'll always, she'll say to me, you're going to get that Academy Award. And I laugh and I laugh and in a way it's funny, but it's also, she doesn't realize it's like, this is not, it hurts me because doesn't mean you've had success if you're famous or if you're one and, you know, that's going back to the role on house versus the role as Lady Macbeth, you know, that success comes in all shapes and sizes and, and it's hurtful. And my godson said to me last summer, we were having a serious conversation. He's, he's an amazing, Nikki's son is a beautiful uh, singer. Oh my gosh. He's, he's studying vocal performance right now in college. And, um, He's incredible, and he's stunning to look at, and he's a model and all this. He said something to me to the effect of, do you ever get sad because you haven't made it? And I, we talked about it later, like months later, and he said, oh, I didn't, you know, and I, I said, listen, I have made it, and it's all about, you know, what you think success is. And, you know, it doesn't mean just because I'm not Julie Roberts or, you know, Meryl Streep doesn't mean that I'm not happy.
0: Right. And- Honestly, in your profession, a working actor is all you can ask for. Yes. Yeah. So, so he's young. He'll figure. He will. Oh, I know. I probably, I probably would have thought the same thing, but not had the guts to ask it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I think that you should just tell people, screw the Oscar. I'm going for the full EGOT. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, you can't really act right now. You can't substitute teach right now. Right. So as the universe is creating all this stuff, maybe blockages, maybe not in your life, what what are your thoughts as far as what you should do, where you should go? And are you in limbo? You know what, Lauren? Lauren, I'm
1: really not sure, to be honest with you. I, luckily, you know, we're okay if for me not working at the moment. So there's that relief. And by the way, I have taught, I, I've taught on zoom. Oh, I taught good. a, um, yeah, a friend of mine um has an acting class with young eighth grade girls. And she called me and said, would you teach an improv theater games class? And I said, yes. So I've done it on zoom about three, three or four times. And, that's yeah, fun. it's fun. It's a different challenge, but I love it. I would do definitely do more of it. I'm considering maybe, you know, setting up my own acting class online. We'll see. But we also, John and I, my husband belong to a, a reading group, a zoom reading of plays. In fact, we have one on Saturday and, you know, just for the sake of connection to connect with our friends, it's not about acting really. It's about reading new plays and, you know, Seeing our friends, but I don't and
0: being creative. Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah, you know. Luckily, we also have the voiceover, which I audition at least three or four times a week. I had one last night. I had to get it in today before you and I met commercial. I have a voiceover commercial agent, but I haven't booked anything yet. But during this time, yeah, I don't know to answer your question. I just it's going to be a long time before we can get on the stage at least and. I all I know is I have to be patient. We all do. When things are safe, that's when we'll return. You know, I'm not ready. I love my art. I love what we do. But in the meantime, you know what? I'm enjoying the outdoors. I'm hanging with my dogs. You know, I'm making little videos. I'm trying to find creative outlets, reading.
0: So what you reading?
1: Yeah. Um, oh, it's a book about the IRA. Oh gosh, it's Pulitzer Prize. It's uh, see, I told you I'm terrible. I don't remember names. I had a feeling you were going to ask me that. Um, I'm in the. I'm going back. I read it last night before I went to bed, and of course, I had a dream where I was carrying around a a, a shotgun, which was bizarre. But before, I read a book called Mama's Boy about uh, Dustin Lance Black, who wrote the movie Milk. Oh yeah and that was really really good. Um, his mother had polio and he it's it's all about her. It's it's beautiful and his activism with LGBTQ and all he's done and it it was an
0: excellent read. I really liked it. Plays are you reading? I don't I've never got to say that on this podcast before. So this is fun. Oh. Oh, I read a great we read a
1: great play called Apologia. Oh, a dysfunctional family and uh Stocker Channing originated the part. She's a writer. And uh, her family comes to visit her. She had written this an autobiography, and she doesn't include her sons at all. And it was it was a really really great book. A play, um, Apologia. What else did we read? August Osage County, which of course I I'd read before, but it was fun to read again. We read Angels in America, Part One and Part Two. The first, the Part Two is very hard to read through because it's so visual. So that one was not that fun. We're going to read Richard the Third. On Saturday, and I'm playing Richard. Really? Now, how did that get
0: cast? <laughs> yeah. How I'll t- I'll dare you? <laughs> Give me your best Richard voice. Oh, I don't have a Richard voice okay. yet. I don't okay. know.
1: I mean, you know, um, now is the winter of our discontent. I don't know. I have no idea. My
0: husband does it like now is the winter. Oh, does he? <laughs> now, see, oh, my God, he's such a ham. He's he's so much worse than you and John put together. Ah, uh, I believe that. I believe that.
1: Well, I'll tell you how it came up. My friend, I, you know, there was so much going on online with national theater was showing plays for free, changing it up every week. And, you know, there was some meme or something about reading Shakespeare aloud. And I'm like, oh man, we should just we should do that. And a friend of mine called me because he saw that I posted something about some play and he said, let's do it. I said, okay, let's get a group together. And he goes, what is your ideal? What do you part you want to play more than anything? And I just said, I want to play Richard. And Richard, and he said, Really? I could, okay, let's do it. And I, you know, it's the last one in the series that we've created so far. And I've kind of, now, of course, I'm nervous about it. I'm like, Oh, why did I say I would do that? (laughs) Ah. But I've been in the play once before. I played Queen Elizabeth. So I know the play and I've, you know, but I just want to be this sinister character. Nice. That Anne falls in love with. And how does that happen? It's like a Tony Soprano, you know, who, He's such a lovable, charming guy, but he's a murderer. But we all, you know, so I find that fascinating—that psychology. And so I'm interested in delving into that and being as charming as I can, but yet a dog.
0: Speaking of, you were saying about reading Shakespeare during this COVID time. Have you been following Sir Patrick Stewart's sonnet today? No, I started
1: to, and then I don't know why I, I haven't, but I, I do need to do that. I love him. I love yeah, him. He's. I love him too. Do you know I had dinner with him?
0: I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you tell me you had dinner with him and Ian McCallan, I will just come out there and murder you.
1: Well, no, I didn't. I didn't have dinner. With, I have met him too, but no. Are you a Trekkie? Uh,
0: I, okay. I like Picard. He's, he's the best uh, of all the captains. Captains. But, yeah. Yes. Well- I
1: had dinner with Patrick Stewart and um, the other, the the, the captain. Uh, Patrick Stewart is the captain. So who? Did- no, no, no. The the original.
0: What's his oh, name? Shatner. Yes, William <laughs> Shatner. I'm what was
1: his name as the? I'm not a Trekkie. Clearly, uh, Kirk. Guess, yes, yes. Okay. So I had dinner with both of them together at the same time.
0: And ha- what was that conversation like? <laughs> Well, okay. They talk about how Shatner got a whole bunch of sex and Picard never did. Oh, God. No, well, I was, you know, I was a guest
1: and I was, it was um, myself and my old housemate, Brian, who was directing X Men. And so that's how the impetus of the invitation. uh, Brian was about to go off and shoot another movie and he said, I'm going to take you to dinner. I said, okay. And he wouldn't tell me where we were going. And finally, we're driving through this neighborhood and he goes, okay going to Patrick Stewart's house for dinner. I'm like, oh my God. Oh my, you know.
0: And this is so freaky because I can picture his house because I do watch the uh sonnets and I've I've watched the video with him and the dog that they were rescuing and then had to give up. And so I know that pool, I know his yard. It's just freaky that you're saying. Well, this is years ago. This is probably a different house because it was a different wife. Okay. Oh, I, I didn't know anything about that. Yeah. Yeah. His personal life extends to his rescuing of pit bulls, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. The important things. Yes. Kurt. William Shatner, William Shatner,
1: Shatner. He wasn't, we didn't know he was going to be there. He was a surprise guest. But I'll just tell you a really funny story. You said, What did you talk about? Well, of course, I'm nervous. I'm like, You know, what am I going to talk about with these people? I have no idea. And the two wives were talking about the cooking classes they've taken. And, you know, uh, it was very intimidating. It was like, yeah, they're talking about their gourmet food that I have no idea, you know. And there was a lull in the conversation, and suddenly I said, "Oh, I've become quite a cook lately." And Brian looks at me like, "Oh my god, she, she's not. What is she going to say?" And it's quiet, and I said, "Ever since I bought the George Foreman grill, <laughs> I have <laughs> made the best dinners." And there's, a, and then there's the silence, and then they all start laughing. And, and William Shatner says to me, oh, I want to get one of those. <laughs> so it was funny.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So let me tell you a little bit about my theater company, just because oh, I, I know very few people who are interested in talking to me about it anyway. <laughs> oh, that's sad. That's sad. Well, Go ahead. Well, I don't know. It just seems that way, but we're doing well fundraising. So there must be more people interested in it than I had first thought. So my neighbor is a director from Chicago Oh, and another friend of mine who lives the next town South from me called Bailey used to be a director and actor both in Chicago and she was lamenting the status of theater in Colorado in general. And he was, had his own variation of that same lament and I was like, let's get these two people together. So anyway, they get together and it's so funny they're nothing alike. <laughs> so she's the artistic director and he's the like I said managing managing director, director yeah. Mm-hmm. And then his wife is a stage manager. That's oh, how they met. So great. through the theater. So I just do the stupid logistics and uh, I'm the treasurer on the board because it's a uh-huh. small nonprofit. So we started it last year and I didn't know this actually did a um a fundraiser where they just did readings. Mm-hmm. They hired two local actors to do readings. We had a night of readings, I think it was four. And what sets this theater apart from the other local community theaters is that it's like serious. She's like Ibsen sort of uh-huh, director, uh-huh. you know? And most people just did not think that would fly in this little mountain town. So, anyway, we raised a whole bunch of money from that first night of readings so that we could file the paperwork to be a nonprofit. And so now we're fundraising for our next fundraiser night, which is going to be in the early October. And, and it's just so interesting to see people responding to real theater, even if it is just readings you know, and they were moved by yeah. the, the reading.
1: Yeah. There's nothing like it really. I, it's, it's unique to theater that it, it there's an ex- something that happens with the audience and the performers that you just can't have watching a movie, watching a television show. I'll never forget. I, while I was at Mount Carmel, I forgot about this until just now you asked about encouragement or people supporting. I worked at, in, at the Poway community theater. And yeah, and I'll never forget that was a really great experience. And I remember I was doing um, the importance of being earnest. I was playing Cecily and I invited some folks from Mount Carmel. At that point, I actually had a couple more friends (laughs) other than you and Kathy and Nikki and Bobby. (laughs) Anyway, and so I remember I invited like a couple guys who had nothing to do with theater. And I'll never forget the greatest thing that they said to this day, I remember is, wow, I didn't know this is what theater felt like to be. This is what it was like. I'm going to go see another play. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I mean, there's, but there's nothing like bad theater too. That's, oh, that's miserable. I was an ovation voter here in Los Angeles, which is the awards for the 99 seat theaters. I saw like 70 plays in one year and there's nothing worse than a bad show,
0: but that's amazing. But but
1: do you have a venue? Are you your own? No. And that's,
0: That's the hard part right now. So he's looking at a space to rent, but where we live is a very strange little corridor so that if you're not on the main highway of this corridor, you're too far off the road and you'll never get any business. Mm -hmm. But it's very Old and so, pretty much all of the good spaces are taken. Mm-hmm. So, it's a matter of working with the limited space we have sure. to hopefully maybe find a major donor one day so that we can yeah. build our own building. Well, I'll tell you what, right now, in a way, it's
1: good that you don't have a space because you'd be ha- you'd have to pay. For- rent. How could you do that with no audience? So in a way you work up to it and start, you know, when I started my theater company, we raised a hundred thousand dollars before we even, you know, we put together a business plan. We, we put together a fundraising group and we went out there and we got the money. We found a space. It was that talk about feeling that you've achieved something that was incredible. And it, it didn't last long, unfortunately, because of egos and people having relationships with people they shouldn't have relationships with. <laughs> but I learned a lot. And yeah. yeah, get get yourself some donors and, you know, and the readings are great. That's what we did too. We did a ton of readings because we wanted to find our season also. We want what plays do we want to do and why? Not just, you know, I joked earlier and I said, well, you yeah, get some friends together and oh, let's make a play. I mean, that shouldn't be the genesis to create, you know, you should have a reason why do we want to perform this play? Why is it important for this time? I think there's a lot of need with the, all the social injustice, things that we can do right now through our art to try to change the landscape a bit. So the last production I directed was Bus Stop. Mm-hmm. And um, the woman, one of the producers, she was also an actress in it. She was insistent that we hire someone of color. And we, we did um, and we changed one of the parts to a female part. It was it, it was a great experience, and I think we need to do more of that, especially now. Yeah, so.
0: agreed. And Denver is not as diverse as right, right. LA, right? But you know, it has enough enough interest in doing the right thing. I'm sure to yeah. maybe even recruit somebody from. Outside of you know the Denver area to come in, uh, you know for the right part. Which is, well, when
1: all clears up, John and I'll come up there and do a reading with you guys. Oh <laughs> my <not>? god,
0: <laughs> we would make so much money. Oh well, from him maybe not me, but no, just because it's a weird prejudice in people's heads that if you say, no, these are professional actors, right? Professional actors that you've never heard of, they're still professional actors, right? But if you say they're coming in from LA. Professional I know, actors. People I know. will be ah oh, right you know. right, but which that'd be, is silly because there's great actors all over the place. Exactly, but, yeah. but that'd be awesome. And maybe one day we'll get there because then we'd get to see you and stuff. Oh, yeah. and here's here's a little funny serendipitous thing. Yeah, you know when Simon and I came out and we saw you and met John for the first time in and we were in Venice or something, right? That yes, 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 yeah. We were out there for a play. We have never. Flown to no, okay. Once before we flew somewhere for a play and we went and saw Wicked, which I am bitter about, by the way. I'll come Hi. back to. Oh, well, back to. well, you know, okay. Well, oh, that's serendipity. Oh, we're going to talk about okay. Go yeah. Ahead. So, um, because there's more serendipity in there in that wicked and uh, that, um, thing. Yes. But so we flew out to see a show called What About Dick. It yeah. was created by Eric Idle and had some of our favorite people in the whole world in it. Had um, Eddie Izzard and and Russell mm-hmm. Brand and um Billy Connolly and uh, it was an amazing cast and it was like a once in a lifetime get together of that cast. Uh-huh. It was only running for like three weeks or something. I like remember that. So- now, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, most people don't travel for theater and if they do, they're going to go to New York, right? Right. Or London. Or London. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Why I'm bitter about Wicked. <laughs> so it wasn't playing anywhere except for New York for the longest time, right? Mm-hmm. Finally, they start to have the touring company productions and they were going to San Francisco. Well, because at San Francisco, I guess the theater could not be, a do the rigging hmm. or so I thought. So for defying gravity, uh-huh. she doesn't get off the ground. <gasps> oh no. I was bitter. <laughs> I was so bitter. I'm like, you don't fucking do defying gravity while standing on the ground. No, just it's like Peter Pan not flying yes! or something. Come on. Right, right. So turns out. It broke. No, oh. well. I don't know the story well enough, so I might butcher it, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why I don't know it very well. So, you know, I, I work with a little independent bookstore in town, uh-huh. right? Yes. And next door to the bookstore is a wellness center that has a kitchen yoga studio. And, uh, they make wellness products like CBD oils and all this tincture stuff. Right. So one of the yoga ladies would come in a lot to the store uh-huh. I have no idea how it came up. She used to be in theater and she used traveling production of Wicked. And so I was like shaking her, explain to me why Elphaba didn't oh. <laughs> And she was supposed to be on the podcast before now. So I would be able to just play it for you. Uh-huh. But her schedule got all mixed up. But anyway, so suffice to say something about, it wasn't the San Francisco theater Earthquakey stuff, which is which is what yeah. I assumed, but she said it was something about the way that the rigging works for the actor is very set for that actor, you know, for their weight and exactly uh-huh. how it's going to work and everything. And if they had like, understudy. the understudy come yeah. in, it wouldn't have been rigged right. Huh. Now. So maybe at the last minute, the understudy went on, and then they couldn't do it. And I'm like, oh, okay. I get that. It's weird. They should have had a freaking disclaimer when you walked in the door. I agree with
1: you. Um, I agree with you wholeheartedly. That's strange. And even usually, well, you would imagine that the understudy would be uh, same weight and height or similar at least, so they could. That doesn't make any sense to me.
0: I know. I may have been getting it wrong, but I know it was something about the rigging. So
1: wow. Well, my wicked story is—I'll tell you quickly. I actually—I saw the traveling the touring company here in LA at the Pentages, I won the lottery for it, which, you know, you you stand online and, you know, you wait. And you, I paid $25 and I, I was in the front row. Nice. Yeah, which actually with that production is not the greatest seat because, you know, you're straining your neck the entire time looking up. But that was incredible. But so I have this um, a teacher who is, I had, she was my teacher at Steppenwolf West. Steppenwolf is based out of Chicago. It's a, a very well-known Theater company. Well, they have teachers out here, and you can take classes. And I took class with this woman named Alexandra Billings, who is currently in the production in New York as Madame Morrible, as the first trans actor playing oh, Madame Morrible. Yeah, yeah. And and so that's my exciting Wicked story that she's cast in that. I would love, love to see her, but you know, nobody's going to see anybody on Broadway now.
0: That is fun, though. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So how do we want to end this? This time is up. Yeah, I know. What sort of life story, meaning of life things we want to talk about. Well, you know what? I didn't ask you the word I ask everybody. So let's, let's maybe use that. Okay. When you hear all the different terms, fate, coincidence, serendipity, chance, the universe, God, what, what word resonates with you? What word feels like it's actually the right thing in your life?
1: Hmm. That's a really good question. I hear fate, and i'm I'm more drawn to that word, I think. However, it's definitely a combination of fate and your will. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like you can will something. so in my life, it's been a bit of it's been both. you know I think most people, it's nothing profound that I'm saying, but oh gosh, I don't know I, you know i I worry. I worry that, am I on the right path? Have I made the right choices? Because like I said, will is a big part of it. And I guess I won't know that until I know. (laughs) So far, everything seems to be working out. I mean, I've gone through a lot of ups and downs in my life, as everybody has. I don't know. Help me out.
0: (laughs) You know, when people say, oh, that was lucky or, you know, chance or something, it just seems like that you're okay when people say- fate, where it feels faded to you and that feels
1: right. Well, I can't, you know what, the word, the lucky, that word bothers me. Mm, Me too. And I, I just like, you know, cause for years I said, I'm not lucky. I can, I can fall into that bitter, dark hole of, of, you know, sadness, melancholy of things are not happening the way I want them to happen. And and that word lucky is just, you know, and I, I'll, I've even used it in out of spite or anger, like, you know, with people that are successful, well, they're lucky their father's in the business or they're lucky. No, you have to have more than luck to sustain the luck that you get. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it, there's got to be something behind it. So I don't like that word. A- although you know, I feel a bit of a hypocrite because I use it on occasion. Oh, you're so lucky. You're so lucky. And it's such a silly thing to say, really. I know,
0: but I can't say blessed. I just can't. I lived in the South for too freaking long. Oh, have a blessed day. And oh, I'm so blessed. Interesting. And, uh, I would think oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I go I go back and forth with that word
1: too, because listen, I know I know you've talked about spirituality and other podcasts, and and for me. You know, I was thinking about that a lot last night. My mother is very religious. She's Catholic. I didn't turn to Catholicism really until high school. My dad's an atheist, as so he says. I don't really believe him anymore. But I went and got my communion and my confirmation while I was in high school. And because I think I was invited to a Bible study and I thought, okay, this is a, okay, yeah, I'm going to go. And for me, it, it didn't feel right for me. And and then I thought, well, let me go to what my I know from childhood, and so I did that. But honestly, and and even through throughout college, I would go to church on Sunday on my own. My first couple, and and living in West Hollywood, there was the, the the greatest church, Catholic church, very progressive, and I loved the deacon. I loved you know I would go you know up until I don't know how many years ago I would go every Sunday. Now, for me, my church, my spirituality is on the hikes that I take going to the ocean in nature and that's when i feel most myself and most in touch with god or my spirituality I, you know i this morning i found a hummingbird nest and it's at eye level and i just was mesmerized i'm like that's my god right there you know that's my that's where i feel that's where i feel lucky
0: yeah yeah
1: <laughs> you know that's for me but it's so personal.
0: It is so personal. And it's funny that when I said, I go about the blessed, you're like, really? And then yeah. I, it made me realize it's because of the saccharine fakeness yes. of it. Yes. You know? yes. When we were in Ireland uh, staying at like a little B&B, the host would tell us about his life, just living there in general. And he would say, oh, we're mighty blessed. I don't have a problem with that Uh uh-huh it's it sounded authentic it sounded like he meant it it sounded like it was natural to him as opposed to like when you were saying like oh you're so lucky it's just something to say right so i i think as we age we just can't stand fakeness and stuff and the spirituality it's all personal as long as it's real and it's authentic yeah yeah. yeah. No,
1: I've been thinking a lot about with COVID, you know, you hear all these people dying and my dad just recently had a scare. He, they found something on his, uh, uh, an ascending dilated aorta and mm. we all freaked out and he's, and he's still dealing with it and we're getting information and, and all this. And he says to me, I want you to w- watch something I posted on Facebook about death. And I said, Oh, dad, why are you going there? You're, you're, you're okay. You're not, you know, I have a young dad. He's only 72. And I'm like, you're in good health other than that, you know, we're going to work this out. And I watched it and the surgeon brought back a number of people from death. And he said, each one of them says to him, why did you bring me back? Mm. And they talk about how beautiful it is. And, you know, I, I don't know. I watched it. I listened, you know, and it, it, I think as we get older, like you said, I think about death. Have I done enough here? Have I done what I want to do? I don't have children. You you know, that's a big regret. I wish I had had children, but it didn't work out for me. So anyway, I don't want to end on a depressing note about death, but I hope I go to the Redwood Forest and I get to be a fairy there.
0: (laughs) Okay. I can't help with the fairy part but i can't, uh-huh. I can tell you this, and we can end on this, okay because uh, I kept you way too long, sorry um, no, so it's a burgeoning market in the u k is that they do a natural burial, and you you can pick out what tree that right. you want to basically become right that you want to feed in right and, and it's it. it's starting to come here to the states mm-hmm. and um, have you heard of Caitlin Doty? No, so she is in l a hmm, okay. she's working on the good death movement., ah. and she's fascinating, and she tells you the whole inner workings of the mortuary business and you know what to do and what not to do and if you want a natural burial, if you don't want all this bullshit, if you don't want the $5,000 coffin, right. if you don't want to be embalmed and right. all that, you know, how to make these different natural practices happen for you, you know, in your community, because your community might have rules about how, say, bodies must be embalmed and uh-huh. blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. Anyway, so, oh my God, if I were in LA, I would be like stalking her all the time. She's <laughs> oh,
1: definitely send me her info. No, I read about that, the pods, that you can be part of a pod that grows into a tree. It's
0: somehow different in the UK. Uh, a little bit different. Because okay. yeah, here it's a pod. But basically, and I never saw it inside the little wicker basket, but my mother in law uh she wanted this. And so she picked out the basket and she picked up the place and she picked out the tree. And we had this, you know, gorgeous ceremony of them putting the basket in yeah. and then said, you know. If you come back at this time, the tree will look like this, wow. you know, it'll be this big and it'll be blooming or whatever. Huh. So I hope it does come here to the States. And I do too. If your dad's open to these conversations, I say, do it. Cause my parents are not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We do have to have them, unfortunately. So good for your dad to be open to, cause that's, that's, that's really what I think life comes down to. You have to be open to these things. If you're closed off, nothing happens or only bad things happen. I agree. Oh, you know, before we say goodbye,
1: I do want to say to you another memory I have with you is working at the RBN. We didn't talk about that.
0: Ah, totally forgot that. <laughs> totally forgot that. Can you? Isn't that funny? I just God, who didn't work at the RBN, yeah, right?
1: Yeah. Anyway, I wanted to tell you how much I admired you. You were always such a light. I was working at the front desk. You were in reservations. I eventually came to reservations with you. But for as goofy and funny and outgoing and wonderful as you are, you are also reliable, loyal, strong. I have a lot of admiration for you and I really appreciate you reaching out and um, congratulations on doing such a good job with this. And I'm so eager to hear what happens with your theater company. That's really amazing.
0: Well, I will definitely keep you posted and take you up on that offer of professional actors from LA visiting little Bailey, Colorado. That would be a big freaking deal for this area. It really would.
1: That'd be cool. Yeah. I love I I love Colorado. I Yay. haven't been there in a long time. So Well,
0: I love seeing you, Vanessa Wazelchenko. I'm so glad we're still oh. friends. <laughs> thank you. I am so glad that you were friends too, Lauren Drabble. Well, thank you so much again. I'm sorry we kept you so long, but that just shows how much fun it was.
1: My pleasure. It was a lot of fun. It was really great to catch up with you. I hope I didn't talk too much about myself. Uh, that's
0: what you're here for. So <laughs> I'm
1: I guess. And I'm an actor. Come on. You have to.
0: All right. Thanks so much. (laughs) So, what revelations did you revelers have from this episode? And I particularly want to hear what you thought of the name of this episode. Hopefully, you got it. I would love to know if you're confused about it and I can tell you why I named it that. Love to hear all about it. You can comment on the apps, you can comment on the new Facebook page. You can send me an email. You can call me. If you know me, you know my number. It hasn't changed since cell phones were invented. So anyway, tune in next week. Thanks for listening.